the, the thing that I'm talking about today, which we're basing this on, this was July, excuse me, January the 12th, 1969, back when they used to have Super Bowls in January. Um, three days before 19, the 69 Super Bowl, and you probably have heard this, many, most of you at least, um, Joe Namath appeared before the Miami Touchdown Club, tossed a few footballs into the audience, and then he jested briefly, and then he grew very serious, and he said, the Jets will win on Sunday. I guarantee it. Keep in mind, the Jets, first of all, for somebody to do that, this is 1969, obviously we see a lot of this today, but this was really, you know, a lot of the historians say almost without precedent in American sports at that time. And now everybody does it, but... <clears throat> Keep in mind also, the Jets were like 23-point underdogs. Now let me, those of you who aren't sports fans or aren't gamblers, and, and, and hopefully uh, that would be a lot of you, but um, um, <laughs> I mean, it's fine. If you, you know, a little friendly wager. I don't have anything to say about that. But anyway, 23-point uh, underdog means this. The Jets were 23-point underdogs. That means if you were betting on the Jets, you could lose by three touchdowns and still win money because that's 21 points. And that's, that's pretty significant. I mean, that, that means nobody in America, or particularly Las Vegas, now Atlantic City, nobody thinks you can win. Nobody thinks you're going to come within at least three touchdowns of winning. So that gives you some scope of what a huge upset this was. I was talking to one of our Jets fans earlier before the service, and, and you know, a lot of people remember where they were when they heard that that, you know, John F. Kennedy was, was shot, and a lot of people remember where they were when Dr. King was shot. Well, my friend remembers where he was when this game happened. <laughs> remembers where he was and what was going on. It was that significant, seriously, to, to, to a lot of people. And it was a huge, huge upset. There's not a lot to say about that. And we could talk a lot about, you know, when I first chose this subject, I wanted something that would be apropos with the Super Bowl Sunday and so forth. And I first chose this subject. There's a lot of places I can go with this. I could go and talk about humility. <laughs> I could talk about, you know, just that whole hubris that Namath showed and later on became, some would say, uh, certainly a, a problem for him and so forth. But the thing that I want to just talk about is that whole thing of prayer because there are many documented examples of people praying for the Jets to win. As there were people, I, I, I haven't read these, but I'm sure praying for the Colts, the Baltimore Colts at that time to win. So that's what we're going to talk about is prayer. And let us pray as a Will sung that great song. So here's where I thought I'd start with this. This is going to be very quick, and i got a lot to cover here and, and uh, more material than I have time, so I'm going to go through some of this stuff very quickly. And I, the first thing I want to do is do one of my little lists, you know, like 10 things that, that, that won't do you any good to pray about. Um, I, I, I cut it down to seven, and I'm going to just blow through a couple of those real quickly. And some of this comes from my last two weeks being gone a little bit and some from other things. Seven things that won't do you any good to pray about you live here especially. Number one, to have no traffic. Don't even bother. There's going to be traffic, okay? You ever, oh, God, help us not to be traffic going into New York. Oh, really? What a nice prayer, you know? To change your crappy spouse. How about that one? Don't even go there. Now, you might want to change. You might want to pray for God to change your spouse's crappy spouse. Think about that. Um, to make you rich and happy. Don't even pray about it. I'm going to talk more about these in a moment. To get you into an Ivy with a 1.5 HS high school GPA, you know? Don't even pray about it. That ain't going to happen. 
right? To be, you know, and, and here's another one. I can pray to be, and I may be a little, a little over the hill for this now, but I could have prayed even when I was 20 years old to play in the NBA. I, could pray, I want to play in the NBA, God. I want to play, or I want to play for the Yankees. Don't even bother to pray that. I mean, it's just, you either have the ability, I mean, some, there are a lot of people praying that, I realize that, and there are a lot of people of, of that kind of caliber who are praying for that. Great, pray for that. But you understand my point here. Another thing is, uh, this is just, this, is, this, this was one that these two next two I developed, um, I came up through when we were sitting on the beach in the Bahamas last week. Uh, don't even pray about developing a six-pack, okay? Don't even pray about it. You think they know what a six-pack is? You think they are, you guys? They do. That's where you have these, a little one, two, you can count your muscles right here. One, two, you know, three on each side. That's what that is, for those of you who don't know. And no, I don't have one, and no, you're not going to look. Um, here's, the, here's the other one, last thing. Don't even, it won't be any good to pray about. Uh, let me set this up for you a minute. We were, Charlene and I were sitting on this beach, and, and we were in the Bahamas, and we were at the Atlantis Resort, and we were just sitting just trying to, trying to chill, and I was trying to just sit there and not do anything, which was just very painful for me. But, but, um, and I, we were just watching people, and I, and I made this observation to Charlene. I said, you know, honey, I said, hardly anybody looks very good in a bathing suit, do they? And she says, no, they don't. And what does that tell you about the media and about the magazines and all this airbrushing and all this other kind of stuff? Um, we were, of course, talking about everybody else. We weren't looking at ourselves, and that's okay. You can do that, you know. Don't even pray about trying to look good in a bathing suit if you're over 25. Just forget about it. Not going to happen, okay? Uh, it's so funny because you're sitting there thinking, I was looking at some, so there were some people in front of us, men and women. I looked at the, the women. I said, you know, those women in any other setting would, fully dressed would be probably sevens or eights on a 10-point scale. Same with the guys. In bathing suits, they were like three or fours. I mean, you know, that's just, that's just the nature of the whole deal. That's just, that's why you want to go to those places where you don't know anybody when you do that kind of thing, you know? But anyway, here's my point. <laughs> here's my point. Does God sometimes break the law of physics, break natural laws, go totally against the odds when you're praying for a parking space? Does God sometimes do that? Yes, He does. Does He do that all the time? No. Amazing to me how many people say, well, I had a miracle from God. And they're getting these miracles every day. I said, you know what a miracle is? A miracle is a parting of the Red Sea that breaks all the laws of physics and all the natural laws. You got lucky. You got a parking place. Did God have something? To, he might have, but maybe not. Maybe you just happened to get to the right place at the right time. You know, and, and that's where I think sometimes we, uh, those of us who are, who are followers of Christ, kind of get maybe almost abusive of that whole prayer thing sometimes. Prayer is not some great providential Christmas grab bag that we ask for and God grants. Um, it's about a relationship with the Almighty God, our Creator, to whom we offer thanksgiving and praise and requests. That's prayer. Yes, God sometimes breaks the law of physics and breaks the laws of nature and even sometimes the odds. When does He do that? When He wants to. Do I influence that sometimes? I don't know. 
Maybe. Maybe not. Because frankly, some of the prayers that I've prayed have been pretty self-centered. That's why I went through that whole little list there. A lot of those things are all self God, help me, to look, help me to be rich. Help me to, help me to you know, have a six-pack and be really cool looking. Help me, you know, help me to get this or get this or do that. Um, and the other thing is prayer in no way excuses me from being diligent to do whatever it is I believe needs to be done. And sometimes I've seen that, and that, that's very abusive, I believe, almost abusive of, of God. So I want to make a statement, and then I want to go into some of these things, and we're just going to just kind of hit some of these quickly, but I want you to see them. And I want to make it very clear. I don't understand prayer. I really don't. And anybody that tells you they do, I'd run from real quick. Because whenever you start talking about prayer, you're talking about a divine mystery that's involved that's totally incomprehensible and ununderstandable, if that's a word, to the human mind. I believe in prayer. I find myself praying more as I grow older about a lot of different things, but I don't understand it. There's a divine providential mystery that's involved. Who am I to think anyway that I can understand the mind of God? That's pretty arrogant. Let me give you just two or three thoughts from some great, uh, well, great men of God, in one case a great philosopher. Martin Luther said this, Oh, if only I could pray the way this dog watches the meat. All his thoughts are concentrated on that piece of meat. Otherwise, he has no thought, no wish, or hope. In other words, I wish I could just focus on God when I pray, you know, and not me or stuff or whatever else it happens to be. C.S. Lewis, favorite, one of my favorite writers, and put this way, what seem our worst prayers may really be in God's eyes our best. Those, I mean, where, which are least supported by devotional feeling. For these may come from a deeper level than feeling. God sometimes seems to speak to us almost most intimately when He catches us as if it were off guard, off our guard. I like that line. What seem our worst prayers may really be in God's eyes our best, those least supported by devotional feelings. I don't feel particularly devotional. I don't feel particularly holy. I don't feel particularly godly. And yet I cry out to God. Uh, Thursday, we got back from the Bahamas last, last Sunday night and we're here one day and headed for Washington for the National Prayer Breakfast. And for those of you who don't know, I used to work with uh, those guys quite uh, extensively. And I still do a few things with them, including the prayer breakfast and some things in the U.N. and so forth. But we went down right away for the National Prayer Breakfast. And Tony Hall was our keynote speaker at the Thursday prayer breakfast. The keynote, except for the president, of course. I don't know if you can have a keynote speaker and the president, but you do. And, um, and Tony Hall is a formerly a Democratic congressman from Ohio. Matter of fact, he's a friend of mine. <laughs> and I remember telling my family, who's a very strong Republican family in Ohio, that I had become friends with Tony Hall. They knew who he was because he's from that area. And he's a Democrat. And they said, you become friends with Tony Hall? I said, yeah, I really like him. I like him a lot. In fact, I love him. He loves God and he loves people. And my family was like, you become friends with a Democratic congressman? I said, yeah, I did. Anyway, they still love me. They had a hard time with that one. But anyway, he's a great man. He is now a, a, a Bush appointee uh, ambassador to Rome um, that deals a lot with um, hungry children and things like this, that we have a special 
embassy that deals with that in Europe, in Rome, and, and Tony is the uh, ambassador appointed by the president to that. He was our keynote speaker, and, 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 and some, some, he may come here sometime because I know him fairly well, and, and he's a great man. And, and let me tell you what he talked about. He talked some about prayer. And one of the things he said, he, he was talking about this whole thing of a relationship, which is what I'm talking about. And I, by the way, I decided I was going to talk about this long before I knew he was talking about it. But he shared, well, basically he had all 3,500 of us in tears, including the president, um, as he shared about a prayer in his life. Their son died of leukemia at a, at a young age, and he shared about that. And he talked a little bit about that. And he says, you know, I remember coming before God and just cursing him and questioning him and saying, God, how could you do this? And he said, I wasn't very devotional and I didn't sound very godly. But that part of my relationship with God, I believe God and I know each other better. And it, and it strengthened my walk, my relationship with God through those doubts and questions. And he says, I still have questions and doubts about that. Who wouldn't? And that's, that's what we're talking about here. Sometimes our most effective prayers are not necessarily when we're feeling all holy and, and sitting in church and saying, oh, God, you know, bless us, and, you know, the whole thing. And nothing wrong with that. But God wants us as we are in all those situations. That's part of the relationship. Let me give you one last quote from Kierkegaard who is existential, but I, 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 like, I like a lot of his stuff. The function of prayer, this is so good, the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. Boy, have I ever experienced that over and over again. All right, let me do this. I want to go through, there's some thoughts for you to think about. Those will be on the website later, you know, if you didn't get them all written down. I want to give you four basic principles of prayer, real simple, real straightforward, just straight, straight talk on that. And then I'm going to give you a bunch of verses, and I'm going to, it's a grocery list. And again, I hope if you're taking notes, don't try to mark them down, because all this will be on our website later on. But um, I just want to give you some principles of prayer, get you to think about this, and show you some of the verses, that, that what the Bible says. I think that's really important. Number one, principle of prayer. God wants you to pray. I mean, it's just that simple. God wants you to pray. He does. Let's try to think about this. Those of us who have children who are, who are away from home especially, and even if they're not away from home, think of this just as a father or as a mother. For those of you, if you're not any of you guys here, just hang on. Just let us, let us indulge just a few moments here, you, you, you young guys, okay? Isn't it great to talk to your kids? I mean, whenever my son calls from, from Birmingham, Alabama, or even our daughter who lives here calls or stops by and wants to talk, you know, I say, I, whatever I'm doing, I just put, hey, What's happening? What's going on? Why? It's my kid. We like hearing from you guys. It's a cool thing. doesn't matter. I can be in the middle of a crisis. And my son called, hey, Dad, I need to talk. Great. Crisis puts you on hold. This is my son. Now magnify that about 100 times. Maybe then you can get some idea how God feels. When his children come to him and say, hey, God, you know, he doesn't just want to hear what we need and what we don't have and how great he is. He wants to hear that, but he also wants to hear, hey, how are you doing? I'm, God, here's the deal, man. I'm really feeling kind of weenie-ish today. I'm not doing well, and, I, you know, I had some thoughts that were terrible and this, and I just need some help, and God, I, you know, 
Here I am. That's, that's, that's part of prayer. It's not just a matter of going over in the corner or, or waiting till nighttime or getting up in the morning and getting down on our knees. That's terrific if you do that. That's prayer. But that, I hope that's not all you do. I'm going to show you a quote in a moment that, just, that talks about more of what it is. So God wants you to pray. Prayer has no guarantees. Or a better, better way of saying it, there are no formulas to prayer. Sometimes we think there are certain kind, there, there are no formulas, no certain kinds of repetitions that, that makes prayer more effective than another. A couple of years ago, maybe some of you heard about this, there was this book, actually you may, it was on the New York Times bestseller list, so maybe it's called The Prayer of Jabez, and it was taken from 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. It's a great prayer, I'll read it to you. you know, I don't have this up for you on the screen, I'll just read it to you and you can get it on the website later. There was a man named Jabez who was more distinguished than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. That's what the word means. He was the one, here's what he prayed. Here's, he's the one who prayed this. Oh, God, that you would bless me and extend my lands. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him that request. That's a good prayer. God, bless me and help my lands, to, my influence to grow, my lands to grow. And God, keep me from pain and trouble. Now, the, the book, and I read it several times, and, and I liked it in some ways because the book was like, pray this prayer and God will bless you. I, I often pray some of the prayers that I find in the Bible. But here was, here's my problem with this. And I don't remember exactly, but it's like pray this prayer every day for like 20 days or, or 30 days or whatever it was. And then we got a formula with that. that that's, not, that's not the deal. You know, you can pray the same prayer for however how many days you want to, but if it's not from your heart, how effective is that? I don't know but I know that's not what I want to be a part of. And I know that God wants to hear from our heart. He just doesn't want, and he tells us this in, in Matthew chapter 6, for instance. He tells us he doesn't want just vain repetition or prayers by rote memory. He doesn't just want that. God wants to hear, he wants, he wants us to pray from our heart. That's why sometimes some of the things that you might want to say, some of the things that you might pray might not necessarily be acceptable in church, or at least in, in most churches. I hope it would be acceptable here because I hope that we're going to accept you for who you are and where you are. Prayer has no guarantees. There's no formula. I've got a story. This is a funny story. I've got to drop a name here, and that's all right. Um, I heard this story a long time ago, so I called last night to make it. Frank Gifford told me this story, and for those of you who don't know, they're friends of ours from our church in Vail. And uh, Frank Gifford told me this story a long time ago, and I, and I called him last night to make sure I had the story correct and to get his permission to use it. Um, but he was telling me one time about, uh, and so he reviewed the story for me, and there were a few details that I missed, and it's a great story. When he was playing for the Giants, they were playing the Colts, and uh, he said, I was sitting there, and they had a, they had a team chaplain, Father, I, forget, I think he's a Dunnigan or something, I can't remember his name, and he said, we, were, we got down before the game and prayed our usual prayer. He says, and I got up, and here he is, 25, 26 years old, comes out of a, a pretty hardcore Pentecostal background in Southern California, four-square type of church. And he says, oh, so we prayed, and, and, and then I got up, and as we got up, I looked across the sideline, and I saw Colts praying, and they had a priest that was their chaplain, and they were praying, and he said, just really hit me. So I, I went over to the, to the priest between plays, and I said, hey, Father, um, if we're praying to win, <laughs> and they're praying to win, who's going to win? <laughs> it's a great line. This was, this was a very wise priest. Priest said to him, he said, he, said, he, he told me, and I, I, he, he hesitated for a few seconds, and he said, well, Frank, 
I think God favors the team with the best athletes. <laughs> Is that good or what? I mean, that's so true. <laughs> and we can go all over the place with that whole thing. And, and, and here's the deal. I mean, prayer has no guarantees. Third thing, it's never wrong to pray for something or for someone. It's never wrong to pray. And, and I'm going to show you some verses that sort of support that in just a moment. But, you know, here's the key. key. You can't dictate answers. And you, and you need to examine your motives. Every time you pray, what, what are my motives here? Am I just wanting to... Sometimes I don't know my motives. And I, you can pray anyway. God, I don't know my motive, but Lord, could you make this happen? Could this, could this go? Uh, you know, we have, we, one of the people that we, we, we have a lot of friends that we see, always old friends, but always some new friends as well. We were this last three days at the National Prayer Breakfast, as I mentioned, and, and uh, there's a lot of sweets. And so one afternoon, we always do sweet hopping, Colorado sweet and Texas sweet and, and New York sweet and uh, Southeast Asia sweet. And, you know, I mean, they just have a lot of food. I mean, you know, be really blunt here. They got a lot of food and stuff like that. So anyway, um, but I also have a lot of friends in those places. And uh, just go see some of them. And, and one of them I ran into was, was this lady who, who just, I had forgotten. I didn't know her very well. And she saw Charlene and I walked through the door. Oh, the teeters are here. How's New, I didn't even know this lady. She said, How's New Jersey? I've been praying for you guys for the last year. And I'd met her, we'd met her last year and I'd forgotten about that, which is really kind of cool. Here she is in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, praying for you guys, praying for Renaissance Church, which was really kind of cool. But anyway, we were talking and she's married to a guy who is special forces. In fact, he's a part of a troop of an elite troop of 22 troops who get their orders directly from Rumsfeld. Um, so she never knows where he is, obviously. And she was telling us, I said, so how is that? I said, and she, he can call because they have a secure line. They, she, he can call almost every day. And uh, she says, he, he, he called the other day. He says, uh, he's in some, they were some of the guys that were hunting down Saddam at, at one point and so forth. And she says, but you know, some days he'll call and he can't tell me anything. He'll just say, you might want to pray for me today. And she said, and I'm like, oh, oh great. You know, where's it going to be, Fallujah or what? And of course, sometimes they've been. But I mean, that's the type of thing she says, you know, I don't know what to pray, how to pray. I just start praying, can God protect them? And, and, that, and that's, that's, we can pray for that. We can pray for anything. Don't even have to know what it is exactly. That's part of the deal. It's part of having a relationship with God. So, so yeah, it's never wrong to pray for something or for someone. Again, examine your motives. The last thing I want you to see is prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about relationship. That's what it is. That's why Jesus came. That we could have a relationship with God. Jesus. That's what prayer is about. We pray here. Maybe you pray before your meals. Maybe you pray after your meals. I don't know. Maybe you're just driving down the road and pray. You know, one of my great prayer times... When I'm jogging, walking, I'd kind of do a jog walk for about an hour, hour and ten minutes, and I don't, you, and nothing wrong with iPods, or I don't use that because I, I, I want to just think, and I just want to pray, I just want to talk, talk to God, and just walking along and jogging along. Sometimes the prayer is, "Oh God, help me to go to the next block. I'm dying." Um, but most times it's like you think of different things, and you see people, and you think of people, and. Just pray for them. That's just part of the, it's just, that's prayer. That's relationship. Okay, there's a whole bunch of stuff here. 
Over 138 times in the New Testament prayer is mentioned. I'm not going to show you all 138 times, but I'm going to come close. Okay, Here, here's... I just want to give you a sense. We're just going to blow through these very quickly, very quickly. I just want to give you a sense of the things that we're told to pray for and pray about from the Bible. Okay, so here we go. We're going to go fast back there, Scotty. Okay, here we go. Uh, Matthew 5, I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 26, keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. Uh, Romans 12, if people persecute you because you're a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Romans 15, I pray that God who gives you hope will keep you happy and full of peace. That's a prayer. Keep them happy, full of peace. 2 Corinthians, they will pray for you. They will pray for you with deep affection because of the wonderful grace God's shown through you. 2 Corinthians again, we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. It's a good prayer, isn't it? Ephesians, I never stop thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Ephesians again, I pray that you'll begin to understand the incredible greatness of His power. Ephesians, again, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will give you mighty inner strength. Well, that's a good prayer. Pray for inner strength. Oh, another time in Ephesians, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts. Boy, isn't that good? I pray that all the time. Philippians, I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more. Philippians, again, four, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. There he tells us, pray about everything. Colossians 1, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God. Colossians 1 again, we also pray that you will be strengthened. That's a, that's a common theme. You see that? Praying for strength. First, First Thessalonians chapter 1, we always pray, we always thank God for you and pray for you constantly. Isn't that interesting? You start thanking God for people. You start thinking about people. That's one of the things that happens with my little, my little jog. Lots of times I'll start thinking about God, thank you for them and help them pray for them. Help them, to, help them to be strengthened. First um, Thessalonians 3, night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again. Isn't that neat? Again, First Thess, keep on praying. Second Thess, pray too that you'll be saved from the wicked and evil people. There's a good prayer. God, save me from some of these wicked and evil people. First Timothy 2, I urge, that, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Make your request, plead for God's mercy. Pray for everybody. Pray for the person that cuts you off in traffic. Do that sometime. God bless them. Instead of God something else sometimes, you know? God bless them. Um, 1 Timothy 2, pray this way for, pray for the president. Pray for, other, pray for this way for kings and all others who are in authority so that we can live in peace and quietness and in godliness and dignity. That doesn't mean you get to vote for him, whoever he is, or he, she, maybe, in the future. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean you like him, you pray for him. I mean, you have to agree with them. Hebrews 13, pray for us, for our conscience is clear. <laughs> and we want to live honorably in everything we do. 3 John 2, dear friend, I'm praying that all is well with you. Pray that all is well. You, you, get, the, you get the sense of this? That's a lot, I know. And again, I don't just, you can look those up later on, on the web. Um, just pray. It's a relationship. Let me give you this last thing. We've got to wrap this up. I know I'm getting... Too far over time. I want to show you this last quote because it's one that has meant a lot to me. And it comes from a book called um, Disappointment with God. And it's Philip Yancey, who's a writer that I like a lot. And uh, well, I think it's self-explanatory. Just, just follow along. We have it for you here in PowerPoint. Simply reading the Bible, I encountered not a misty vapor, but an actual person. A person as unique and distinctive and colorful as any person I know. 
God has deep emotions. He feels delight and frustration and anger. As, as I read through the Bible, I marveled at how much God lets human beings affect him. I was unprepared for the joy and anguish, in short, the passion of the God of the universe. By studying about God, this was me for a while in my life, by studying about God, by, by taming Him and reducing Him to, to words and concepts that could be filed away in alphabetical order, or in alliteration or whatever in my case, I had lost the force of the passionate relationship that God seeks above all else. The people who relate, watch this, watch this. The people who related to God best, Abraham, Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, treated him with startling familiarity. They talked to God as if he were sitting in a chair beside them, as one might talk to a counselor, a boss, a parent, or a lover. They treated him like a person. Isn't that good? As opposed to, you know, there's a place for for worship. Oh, mighty, powerful God. There's a place for that. But God's also a personal God. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a relationship. I I, I thought about running the film club of Ratavia and, and Fiddler because I think that captures so much. If you saw Fiddler on the Roof and Ratavia there, how he walks, if you didn't see it, how he's always walking along, just talking to God. Oh, God, I know you've chosen me and my people. But the next time, could you choose somebody else? He said that. You know, kind of a funny line and all that. But I mean, he just walks on talking to God. It's, 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 it's discussion. It's just talking to God. And God's there and he listens. He's wherever we are. I love that. I got to tell you this story and we're going to close with this because I think it illustrates that whole point. Beautifully. One of the people, this happened right here at Renaissance. Um, one of the, and I saw him this week, one of the guys that was, was here for our grand opening, uh, September, what was it, 19th? September 19th, was, I, I spoke, I said something, if you were here, I said something about him because he was sitting right over here. They came in with their luggage because they came from New York and they're heading back to D.C. It's a friend of mine, Steve Weinberg and uh, Vicky, and um, I saw him this week at the prayer breakfast, and he is one of the, I don't know what it is, top two or three guys at the Peace Corps, a Bush appointment, so Obviously, it's a political job. And um, he was here, and, and I remember him going back to that back window f- before we left for a long time on the phone, and we found out later there had been an accident of some Peace Corps workers, and he's, it was pretty bad because it got to him, and he's pretty high up. And, and uh, 19 kids, they're all in their 20s usually, um, had been in a, in a back of a truck in Cameroon and had been a wreck. And, um, and I remember him telling about it at the time, and, and, and that one of the girls had a hole in her head. And it was very, so Steve has got a vast background. He's a lawyer and he's also a doctor, surgeon. And so when we, we had lunch downstairs and we were walking with, with him over to the, to the railroad track, he said, I'm just really, really concerned about this. Could we just pray for him? And there were several of us there and we said, sure. And we just took a moment right there by the summit train and uh, before they left for the city and just prayed for this little girl. I didn't know her, little 20-year-old girl. And so when I saw him... Um, Thursday, I said, what, what happened? I haven't talked to you. What, what's going on? And he told me the whole story. It's a phenomenal story. Steve, in a previous life, was a surgeon. Quite, Steve's quite a guy, but he's a surgeon. And what had happened was they'd been in this accident, and there was a hole in her head, and I, this is going to be a little gross. Hang on with me, okay? Literally, her brain was partially leaking out of this hole. Steve, being a surgeon, said, you have got to do, and he named the kind of operation that it was. Keep in mind, they're in Cameroon in the backcountry. 
They're talking by satellite phone. He says, you have got to do, and, and after he left here, this was on the train back to D.C., he's that, he says, you have got to do this kind of operation. You've got to do it now. And they said, well, we can't do it now. He said, here's the deal. If you don't do it now, she's going to die. I'll talk you through it over the telephone, but you've got to do it now. And so he had, he had like a PA there, and uh, so they did it. But he, he basically did the operation over the phone on the train back to D.C., and he was telling him about it. And, and the end of the story, by the way, is she is fully recovered, living back in the States. And he said, all I could do was tell him, here's what you got to do next. Here's what you got to do next. And he says, all the time, I'm praying, God, please, please help her. Please help her. Now, did his medical knowledge being a surgeon for several years help? Sure it did. I couldn't do that. But did he have to go off in the corner and say, okay, do this. Let me go over here and pray. Have to go over in the corner and pray? No, he couldn't do that. All the time that was going on, he had to have, first of all, an attitude of a presence of mind and an attitude of prayer. That's what he told me he did. It's a great story, isn't it? And she's fine. Through great surgery, and I believe God acting against certainly the odds and maybe even a few laws of nature. That's prayer. It's just part of who we are and what we do. And it comes as we come to Christ, and, and it's a simple thing of just saying, God, I, I, I want to be related to you rightly. And that comes through Jesus and understanding what Christ did for me. And, 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 and the Bible tells us our prayers go through Jesus. He is, according to the book of Hebrews, our, our priest. Our, he is literally our priest. He takes our, our, our prayers to, to the Almighty Father. He said, I don't understand that. I don't either. That's part of the whole thing I don't understand. But I believe it. And I pray a lot. And I've seen some answers. And I've seen some that weren't answered. And I don't understand that. But that's not for me to understand, is it? That's God. So with the words of the song, I can only say, let us pray every day in every way. Let's pray now. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of being able to come together, talk about these concepts that in one side are very simple, Lord, praying, but on the other side are very complex for us. And Lord, I just pray that each, each of us would leave here just with a, maybe a renewed vigor, maybe just a, a renewed heart and mind to make prayer or conversation with you more a part of our lives. Lord, you know each person here. I don't know each heart. And there might be some who need just to start with a simple prayer of God. I want to trust you right now. I just want to make that official. I want to trust you. You can do that right where you're sitting. And Lord... I just want you to be a part of my life. Let me start with that for somebody. But Father, we thank you for the kind of, well, not God-like, for the kind of God power that you have and the ability that we can have to communicate with you because of that. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you for Jesus who came and died and rose again to give us eternal and abundant life. We thank you now for Jesus, and in his name we pray. Amen.